Kind of happens the same every week right now on the Footy Talks podcast. I'll start the week with absolutely no idea what I'm going to talk about to fill an entire podcast with Canadian soccer talk as headlines are kind of few and far between. Then somewhere around the middle of the week, Toronto FC happens. Uh, My name's Mitchell Tierney and this week on the Footy Talks podcast, more chaos for the Reds as Nick Hagland is traded while Gregory Vanderveel is sent home from camp and unlikely to return. We will talk about some Canadian soccer players moving as well. And to discuss all of this with me, Charlie O'Connor-Clark of Waking the Red is back on this week's show. Charlie, uh, you you know firsthand kind of the the chaos that's been happening right now as you've had to scramble to put together some some articles in recent weeks. Uh, How how many more surprises do you think are ahead of us as this offseason of, you know, just just randomness continues? I mean... You'd have to hope that there are at least some good surprises coming. <laughs> there's been a lot of pretty rough ones in the last couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, that but is... Man, uh... everything just seems to be all of a sudden, like, <laughs> like I'll be walking somewhere and then all of a sudden I'll check my phone and, oh my God, this next player is just gone. Ow. It's been a crazy couple of days. Yeah, it fully seems to happen like that. Like, usually, I mean... You know, in the Toronto FC rumors in the past have kind of followed the the general guideline that that you or not you or I will find a, a link on some random sketchy site from some other country and and we'll be like, hmm, this is interesting. You know, it's maybe not quite like worth writing something on yet, but um, you know, we'll keep an eye on it, and then it'll get more and more legit until it finally happens. These all seem to come out of nowhere, and I mean, the first one, it, it kind of makes sense why it came out of nowhere because that's literally what happened, as far as we know, uh, and that's the Gregory Vanderveel um, being sent back to Toronto after an alleged alloc- altercation with. Uh, Toronto FC head coach Greg Vanny. I should have practiced that word before we started this, but anyway, <laughs> an altercation with uh, Toronto FC head coach Greg Vanny. And uh, sources have told both John Molinaro of Sportsnet and Joshua Cloak of The Athletic that Vanderveel will not play for the club again. And uh, that kind of makes sense if uh, you look at his Instagram post that, that kind of followed yesterday, him being, uh, you know, him landing back in Toronto, him saying, unfortunately, Year two will never come to due to differences with the coaching staff. I just want to win and do that no matter what the consequences are. I guess the mentality was a little too much for them, and they decided they do not need me for this season. Um, you know, he, he kind of has a, a reputation for being a little bit cantankerous in the past. Uh, that was something that, that we kind of highlighted when he initially came to Toronto FC, but it seemed like things were going fairly well in his first season, even if you know, off the field, and he seemed to really embrace Toronto. So this one really came out of left field, and um, it's it's very interesting because this is the first one that kind of worries me. I mean, if you look at some of the other trades Toronto FC has made and even the managerial, um, you know, move, you could rationalize that as as you know the you know they got were able to get good money for Vasquez they were able to get good money for Hagland as we'll talking about in, in a bit obviously Tim Bezbachenko was someone that um they just didn't stand in his way he he deserved to make the next move in his career so those all you could rationalize a little bit this is one where it kind of looks like things are coming apart at the seams a little bit just because of the you know the nature of the way Gregory Vanderveel is going to be departing Toronto FC yeah this one was really, really shocking when I first saw it I mean now there's like like it's, it's just been 
so it's so recent. We there's kind of room lying all over the place. Nobody really knows exactly what happened because I don't think there's actually any media down there in California with teams. So pretty much everything we've got is coming through the team themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but just it it's really. Sh- I remember like when they opened camp. I think it was last week or something. There were a couple people kind of putting out there on Twitter that people seem to be, or the players at least seem to be kind of fiery on the training ground. People are kind of, probably if more than anything, just like kind of ready to get there and try and prove something after last season. But this is mm-hmm. a different kind of bu- frustration bubbling over, it seems like. I mean, there's tons of rumors out there about where argument was over and what the nature of the altercation was, but it clearly was bad enough for them to immediately want to cut ties with the player, which is, I mean, that's not something you see a whole lot. So I, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I'm hoping we're going to get some, maybe more information about what happened in the coming days, but my God, this is out of nowhere. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, a lot of Toronto FC players saying they're going to miss him too, which uh, isn't, uh, you know, depending upon how the altercation went, that's a, that's a little bit concerning as well. Um, yeah, although, to be fair, he was a teammate and, and friends with some of them. Um, looking at this move from kind of a more soccer standpoint, um, you know, obviously, look, Greg Vanderveel is a great player. He's a technically gifted player. He was he was you know solid for Toronto FC last year. I considered him to be the best newcomer largely because Arrow missed uh big stretches of the season with injury. He was one of their most consistent performers. But I don't know if this is the biggest loss just because now they have Laurent Simon who comes in and and can actually, you know, that's what he's meant to do is play that center back role that Gregory Vanderville kind of had to play all season. Um, and when Gregory Vanderville was actually as a right back for Toronto FC, I know he he's gone on record saying he wasn't you know, he wasn't fully ever allowed to play the position in the way he wanted to in terms of getting forward and being more of an attacking threat. But, you know, I never saw that from the player. I I always saw him as being very solid defensively, technically good. He could pick out a pass with, with the best players on Toronto FC. But I never really saw him as an attacking threat the way Auro is. And now that they have Auro and Nick DeLeon, you know, and we've, we've talked well in the past and we'll probably talk a bit a, a bit later on the show about some of the, the bigger issues with Toronto FC in terms of, you know, players that they, they might need for next season. Um, I don't see this as, you know, a massive loss in terms of the, the overall, you know, kind of buildup of Toronto FC going into next season. Um, as much as you never like to see a player with that talent depart or depart in that way, certainly. Man, I forgot they had Nick going, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think... I don't know if we really saw him in one of those right, maybe right wing back roles all that often last season because I think they might have been tried a couple times earlier in the year, but that usually went to Auro and Gavil was kind of he did. I thought he did really well on the right side of a back three when he was played there, and I kind of expected mm-hmm. that to be kind of his role going forward, the team. But I mean, yes, he wasn't happy with that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I don't know if, like, that was really a misuse of his talent at all. He see, and I mean, even even things coming out about people or whoever kind of questioning his work rate or his motivation. I honestly didn't really see that last year. I thought he was one of the harder worker defend working defenders on the pitch most of the time. Like he usually seemed pretty mm-hmm. solid 
defensively to me, and I mean, he maybe wasn't as flashy in attack as maybe thinks he is, or he thinks he can be, <laughs> but I, yeah, it is, it is a tough player to lose, but again, yeah, they, they do have other options in defense, but they are, like, at this point, you're kind of banking on Christmas Vinga and hopefully Drew Moore staying healthy for more of the season than last year. Now the, the center back depth is a little bit lighter. We don't really want to be having to put midfielders back there anymore. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't <laughs> think it's the end of the world by any stretch of imagination. I'm sure that the club is pretty well prepared to deal with this kind of thing, but again, it does kind of hurt the depth at the back a good bit. Yeah, thanks for uh, uh, perfectly setting up the transition into the next topic, uh, which is obviously the you know the lightening of that depth a little bit with the the trade of Nick Hagland. Um, you know, Nick Hagland is a player that I, I you know reasonably liked with Toronto FC. He had a lot of good attributes to him. He was one of the best aerial defenders in MLS. I think um, he could obviously striker Nick Hagland was a joke we like to make because he, you know, he just dominated the air wherever he was in the field and scored a, uh, you know, a fair amount of goals last season from corner kicks and that sort of thing, which is something that honestly Toronto FC doesn't have a lot of right now. Um, in general is kind of that, that threat from set pieces in the way that Nick Hagland was, but um, at the, at the same time, he was a player that was fairly injury prone and improved last season. You know, they were kind of there was a lot of talk for a little bit about uh, him being groomed as maybe the next Drew Moore, about him having a lot of those same uh, potential attributes. But uh, I think last season kind of proved that while he is an MLS caliber defender, certainly he can't be your go to MLS caliber defender. Uh, same with Eric Zavaleta. You know, these are solid MLS defenders, but they aren't players who can lead a back line. They need to be a part of a back line. So um, I think that was something that was proven. And the return, I mean, this was something that both you and I um, reached out to each other right away about as we were incredibly surprised surprised that Toronto FC were able to get 300000 of allocation money. And obviously that's basically doubling the cap space they're going to get for Nick Hagland um, and the top spot in, in the allocation order as well. Uh, they, they sent the 24th spot, which was the one they currently held after selecting Laurent Simon, out of the allocation order. Um, the, the allocation spot might be the most directly interesting part for Toronto FC. Obviously, uh, they did this for some more cap flexibility, both right now and in the summer. Um, it could be, you know, it could be a trading chip or it could be something that they look to uh, use in the future. Although, evidently, you know, the last time they got an allocation, top allocation spot, they immediately grabbed Laurent Simon. So that could be something they're looking to use right away. Uh, the allocation order list, we were looking at this well as well, and it's, it's a little complicated. It's a little hard to understand, but basically uh, the gist of it is it's MLS players who have been sold to foreign clubs um, or select U.S. men's national team players so guys like Kyle Aaron in terms of players who have been sold uh, abroad and would have to come back through the allocation order or American internationals like Fabian Johnson, Julian Green, (laughs) Christian Pulisic. Yeah, there you go. That's the one. That's the the one that's coming back to Toronto FC. Um, But yeah, anybody, you know, any players that you think Toronto FC could potentially be looking at in this allocation order, and uh, what did you think of the deal um, as well? Well, first of all, like about the deal, I think that's one of the best returns an MLS team has gotten in a trade in a long time. Um, it's not, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, even finding out after the fact that it's actually three hundred thousand dollars, not two hundred fifty, allocation money. Like, oh man, 
nobody loves Nick Hagelin as much as I do, but wow. <laughs> I think I think Chad, he probably did end up paying a bit of a premium for for a guy who's from Cincinnati that they maybe put on the posters there. Um, honestly, it would be pretty awesome if we saw a Captain Nick Hagland at some point in the future. Um, mm-hmm. But they they that team has made some alarming decisions this offseason, to uh, put it lightly. <laughs> Um, but it seems to be working out for, for TFC. I, didn't they trade for the top allocation spot with Cincinnati last time when they got Simon? Yeah. Yeah, they did. So they traded up to get the, the second allocation yeah. spot, I believe, and then they sent something like $75,000 in, yeah. in allocation money um, to Cincinnati yeah. for the top spot. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. As, terms of, as far as players that TFC could be targeting, I do kind of think that there's a player on their mind like coming fairly soon. Um, I mean, I think it was mm-hmm. like 15 minutes before he was recording, I was seeing on Twitter, um, Gareth Wheeler was talking to Ali Curtis and he said there are signings coming in the next couple of days. Um, wow. So I think I've got to think they've got their eye on somebody, especially with all of them that they brought in both through this and from the sale of Victor Vasquez and clearing up a lot of salary space in the last couple of weeks. Um, we, uh, Alan Singh for Waking the Red just published uh, an article, suggests Julian Green, uh, who I think is playing mm-hmm. in the second division of the Bundesliga. And he's kind of an interesting, interesting attacking wide U.S. men's national player. I don't know if it'll... I have, Mm-hmm. Absolute idea if it's him specifically, but a wide attacking player would make a lot of sense. That's kind of a spot in the lineup that TFC have kind of hinted at being interested in getting a player for. One of those kind of more versatile players, especially one who can play maybe out on out on the left wing or cut back in towards the middle if need be. Uh, so that is probably the player I think they'd be looking at. I'm really not sure how many players on the allocation list are both available and fit that mold. Um, but there are definitely some much. I mean, I know, I think FC Cincinnati were looking at uh, Fabian Johnson earlier this offseason. I don't know if they're still talking to mm-hmm. him or if that kind of broke down and he's still to come over to MLS. So I don't really know. I don't know. There's definitely some options, so I'm pretty interested to see what they're going to be doing in the next couple of days. Yeah, you mentioned the the moves are coming, and um, we've also mentioned that the club has a ton of cap space right now. Obviously, they've they've cleared some with Hagelin. They've acquired some through that deal. The Victor Vasquez deal uh, creates some. Agra Keche leaving earlier in the summer uh, creates some. We don't fully know how much of that has been eaten up by Laurent Simon, but um, you know it, can, it certainly isn't all of it, and it's it's probably not even that huge of a chunk of it. And then Gregory Vanderveel could be, uh, you, you know, should be off the books soon as well, which you know creates a uh, probably more cap space than Toronto FC were intending, maybe even to create this uh, this summer. But certainly they or this uh, off season. I always consider off seasons to be summer. Just my sports calendar is is always thrown off by MLS, but. Um, uh, this off season, I, but it, you know, it, it becomes interesting as to when and how they're going to use this money now, because, um, you know, Ali Curtis hasn't been in this job for very long and obviously a lot of 
you know, the, the benefit for him is the vast majority of his staff has been. So it's not like, you know, it's not like things just, they just have to start making stuff up on the spot. There's players they've been scouting for a very long time. I mean, we, we mentioned both, you know, Vasquez, they've been scouting for, for like two years or so before they actually picked him up. In fact, they reached out to him two years before they picked him up. So they have these guys well on their radar for, for a long time. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see whether they maybe push to the summer and, and make some more windows in the summer when Curtis has had more time to uh, kind of adjust here or how many they move in right now because obviously the Champions League uh, campaign is incredibly important for the club. Um, and what type of players you've mentioned uh, a winger as probably being the primary target and that's you know that's been the case throughout Toronto FC has been very adamant that they want wide players and attacking players but um, what other moves do you think potentially we see now, especially now that we have, uh, now that we know more so who's leaving the club? Um, you know, I'm still, I'm still wondering if they want help in midfield, and I don't necessarily. I mean, you can't replace Victor Vasquez. Uh, I wonder if they look deeper in the midfield and, and try and kind of help the defensive line a little bit with a player who can uh, maybe play a little closer to Bradley. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what types of players they bring in in the next couple of days because. Uh, this offseason has been unpredictable, and I think the moves that they'll bring in could be reasonably unpredictable as well. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, at least, options for them to kind of strengthen the lineup. A lot of kind of play where they could maybe bolster the depth a little. Um, midfield, I've seen a lot of people crying out all over the place that they need viable backup for Michael Bradley. I don't know about specifically a backup, but maybe somebody to help him out. And, I mean... It's possible Liam Fraser turns into that guy, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I do think that maybe some kind of player that can help out in the base of the midfield, if it's if it's explicitly a backup player or if it's somebody who can play with Bradley in a two-man defensive midfield. There are definitely other spots around the field though that I think there could be some more depth. I mean, I'm not sure how confident the club in Caleb Patterson Sewell as a backup goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe somebody somebody could come in there to take some of the load off Alex Bono because if things go well, it'll be another long season in which they'll probably have a lot of midweek games and they'll need some some help in goal to, in goal there. Uh, yeah. I think it also it also make a lot of sense to be looking at some kind of striker who can be an aerial threat, as you mentioned earlier. They don't really have a lot of options in that department. And I think a lot of the club's set pieces were kind of brutal last season off the corner of a long free kick. So they could really do with maybe a, a physical striker who can score goals from the air. That might be another place to look at bringing someone in, I think. It's interesting as well. Um, you know, immediately after the the Nick Hagelin trade, um, Joshua Cloak of The Athletic tweeted out that potentially they might be looking at a couple of Toronto FC 2 options in terms of filling in the uh, the depth there, and that got a lot of concern on uh, on on Twitter. But that's, you know, that's Ali Curtis' MO. That's what we've heard from the very beginning when Ali Curtis was brought in, is that he's very big on allocating minutes and, and you know, finding opportunities for the young players throughout the team so that there's a clear... Um, pathway throughout the entire organization and that's something that we haven't seen with Toronto FC in recent years obviously we you know 
the club has mostly gone out and, and purchased anything. You know, there's any holes in the club, they go out and buy a player for that. Um, and, you know, that's not something that Ali Curtis does as much as other clubs. And uh, obviously you want your young players to earn opportunities, but you also at some point kind of have to give opportunities to young players as well and, and give them an opportunity. And I wonder if some of these holes that, that we've mentioned will end up being, you know, some of these young guys will be getting and at least till the summer transfer window to to try and fill the opportunity you know some like Jordan Hamilton at a striker's role because right now you know if they bring in another another striker option it seems like Hamilton's right back where he, where he started in terms of on the depth chart but maybe we see him you know get a bigger opportunity guys like uh Jay Chapman and even like a you know a Jonathan Osorio I wonder if we see them more given that attacking midfielder role and see what they can do there instead of the club going out and getting a specific number 10 as well. So I wonder if there's a couple of these opportunities throughout the lineup where we might start to see some of those younger players that the club uh, believes in but hasn't necessarily you know catered towards in the past get more opportunities and and this be a directive uh, from Ali Curtis. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of his biggest legacy at the Red Bulls, wasn't it? He kind of made the, the pipeline a more direct route, whereas you see it seems kind of like a labyrinth. You show up in the academy <laughs> and then bounce from team to team, and eventually one day you might get a professional contract and still bounce up and down for a few years and get stuck behind mm-hmm. some new big signing player. I don't know. I mean, definitely do want to see the academy put to better use, put towards producing actual solid everyday MLS players and it has a couple already but uh, you definitely want to see these players getting more more options and whether that's whether that's simply just more squad rotation or if it's kind of specifically not bringing in a player in a spot so that academy guy can challenge for it I don't know I, I there are definitely like all those guys you mentioned I would really like to see get some important minutes this season. I mean, obviously, Leo will, and it sounds a lot like Jay Chapman will in the absence of Victor Vasquez. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it seems like there's a lot of guys now on first-team contracts who are signed from the academy who don't really look like they have a lot of hope of getting minutes with the first team, which is a little bit tough for those guys who will just be sitting on the sidelines. Well, Toronto FC did sign another player to to a senior contract this week, and I don't know. We'll see long term about Noble Okello as to you know which category of Toronto FC kind of academy player he falls into, um, but he does become the nineteenth academy player to sign a senior. Uh, deal uh, with Toronto FC, a midfielder. Uh, there was a pretty funny video from Toronto FC training camp, obviously before all the all the fighting and all the other brawls that went down there about uh, Noble Okello. Um, and they had him give a speech after he signed it. It was a pretty horrible speech. And Greg Vanny was was telling the guys, like, have a speech prepared <laughs> so this doesn't happen again. Because it was a pretty hilariously, uh, you know, he, he ran through a couple cliches but got them wrong. And his teammates were tripping him pretty good. So it was a pretty funny, uh, pretty funny <laughs> moment. But a player that... You know, Wolfsburg was interested in reportedly, and and tried to tried to pry away from Toronto FC, and uh, they weren't interested in doing a Canadian youth international who's had some some very good tournaments for Canada and a player that is very interesting for Toronto FC. I mean, he's got. <laughs> 
quite a physical frame. I mean, he's six foot six. So, um, but he's he's a player at that height who controls the ball in a way that is pretty rare for a tall player. So, uh, an interesting prospect for Toronto FC certainly. Yeah, I mean, the organization clearly values him pretty highly because they. It sounds like they said no to multiple offers from Wolfsburg that could have brought in uh, at least a six-figure transfer fee, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So they clearly really value having this guy around. They see him as a potential first-team player of the future. Uh, I didn't really get a chance to see him all that much with TFC2 last season, but it sounded like he was a pretty important midfield player with, with pace and good seeing ability. And obviously, as he said, he's enormous. I mean... <laughs> If he doesn't work out at TFC, he can stay in Toronto and maybe up for the Raptors, to be honest. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty excited to see what he can bring. I honestly have no no idea what exactly Greg Vanny is maybe playing on doing with him to try and incorporate him into the lineup and get some minutes. I, uh, I don't think this is his... I, I think he might have been in the first team's camp a little bit at the start of last season before he went off to Wolfsburg. Um, yeah, or I mean, Denmark or something like that. But, I can't remember exactly what. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, the first team has definitely had their eye on him for a good now. So I, I I am, he's one of the more exciting, I think, TFC 2 signings to the, to the first team uh, in a bit. I think he's... Like for example, I, I think he's more likely to get significant minutes with the first team this year than the the Julian Duns and Daniels, to be honest. So I'm kind of excited to see what he can bring. Well, there you go. Uh, that <laughs> we were laughing before. That was the biggest bit of Toronto FC news this week before yesterday. And uh, as I said off the top, it would have been pretty difficult to uh, plan an entire podcast around uh, Noble Okello. So <laughs> you might have gotten a really in depth look at Noble Okello if uh, if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't for the, you know all the all the other headlines that came out uh, just yesterday. But let's look at some other Canadian men's national team players who. Um, you know, are rumored to or are on the move in in recent weeks because there have been some interesting uh, Canadian related transfers and um, the one that that's uh, you know been talked about a little bit recently is is some reports coming out of Germany that 19 year old Canadian Jonathan David, um, who is currently playing with Ghent in, in Belgium, um, is drawing some Bundesliga interest uh, with the likes of Dortmund, uh, Leverkusen, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and uh, Hoffenheim looking at him I don't know you know I don't know how fully legitimate these rumors are although they they would kind of make sense I mean he's a player who you know broke through at 18 into a first team of a Belgian league club and has been doing fairly well I mean he slowed down he was on a ridiculous tear early on in his uh in his young career where he was scoring almost every game uh and coming off the bench so his goals per minute is still like pretty ridiculous but uh, this is definitely one of the most exciting players in the in the Canadian men's national team system, and um, the Bundesliga would be a, a pretty awesome fit for him if if he made that move. Um, although, yeah, it, it remains to be seen, but definitely uh, positive news that there is interest in, in the player. Yeah, uh, he's a pretty exciting part of the future of the men's national team. I mean, I still, like... I'm in awe every time I think back to what was in August when he was scoring literally every day in the last five minutes of the game he'd come on in. Yeah. That was just 
unbelievable. Um, and yeah, as you said, he, he cooled down a bit, but still seems to be a pretty highly player uh, at Ghent. Um, I just personally think it would be awesome to have a bit of a Canadian player rivalry in the Bundesliga between him and Alfonso Davies, especially if you were to go oh, to for sure. someone, like, someone like Borussia Dortmund. Um, and I mean, obviously, it doesn't need to be said how good it is for Canadian soccer for young players to be highly sought after by clubs in big leagues like the Bundesliga. Um, so yeah, I I think I think it would be really, really exciting to see a guy like him make the jump to the Bundesliga. Um, and it sounds like it's fairly possible, like Genter interested enough that they would get a decent transfer fee for him. So yeah, I I would really like to see him at one of those cards, although I on a stipulation that he does need to be getting minutes. I don't want him to be stuck on the bench at Dortmund or wherever he were to end up. Yeah, for sure, especially since he's such a crucial player to the senior men's national team right now, and uh, he has been signed till 2022 by Gent, so that obviously means they have some serious interest in him and know his value and that, um, you know, whether he's sticking around with the club for that long or uh, whether he's, uh, you know, a transfer potential player, they they do know that they need to be locking up his services so that they can uh, make sure to maximize them and, and a very versatile attacking player. He's actually been playing as a central attacking midfielder recently for the Belgian side, so uh, you know that makes it that makes him an even more important player for Canada in terms of you know with how much attacking player talent there is for Canada right now having players who can be flexible to play multiple roles is incredibly important so uh, something to continue to watch uh, over January and, and maybe leading into the summer as well um, one confirmed Canadian men's national team transfer that um, happened over the past week is Derek Cornelius leaving uh, Serbia to join the Vancouver Whitecaps and. <clears throat> This is one that I think Canadian men's national team fans should be paying particularly, you know, a, a close eye on just because obviously we, we've talked at length about the attacking talent, but uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Canada doesn't really seem to have the kind of quality they've had in the past. And um, Derek Cornelius, Cornelius is one of those young key players that is very important to the future of the national team. And uh, there's a chance he'll be starting next season alongside national team teammate and basically the player that him and John Herdman have been, or sorry, John Herdman has been starting uh, beside him for most of this Nations League campaign, uh, that being, being Daniil Henry. So that would be a perfect kind of situation if, if a centre-back pairing was being developed at club level and then uh, they were able to directly bring it into the national team as well. So uh, definitely something to watch there is a, a young, exciting player for for Canada on the defensive side of the ball, which, as I said, pretty rare. Yeah, I think that kind of familiarity with Henry probably helps his case a lot in Vancouver to be uh, one of the one of the starting options at center back. Uh, I've seen a lot of Whitecaps fans who maybe haven't seen as much of the men's national team kind of skeptical because he has kind of struggled a little bit at the club level, kind of been bouncing around a, a good bit, but we have seen his abilities with the men's national team. I mean, albeit he hasn't too difficult a level of competition yet, but when he has played, he has looked <laughs> certainly he has looked really good when he's been playing, um, and especially with Henry already there in Vancouver, it would I mean, <laughs> men's national teams would pro- 
team fans would probably definitely hope he gets to start there in Vancouver regularly with Henry to really, really solidify that chemistry. Um, I think definitely fits the kind of Vancouver mantra at the moment of going young, going Canadian. So, I I mean, it definitely, it definitely fits their kind of other moves over this offseason than it would be. Pretty interesting to see him starting, but I think he does gonna he is gonna have some competition there, and I think it's not really a sure thing that he'll be in their in their regular starting back line. But definitely an an interesting piece to keep an eye on in Vancouver. Yeah, and Vancouver is one of those clubs that will be, you know, basically all of the Canadian sides are are incredibly interesting to watch over this off season, uh, kind of heading into the season because they're all at, at a bit of a crossroads and they all need to to make some key moves and and, and kind of develop their identity a little bit heading into next season. So um, Vancouver is certainly near the top of that list of teams to watch in this MLS off season and. Uh, the Cornelius move is is just one of the many you would expect for them in the in the coming weeks. But uh, we'll wrap things up there on on this week's Footy Talks podcast. Uh, probably a hundred bits of other TFC news have, have broke during uh, during the time that we've recorded this podcast. So um, you know, hopefully we'll get you updated on those in coming weeks. But uh, until then, thanks for joining the show, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, we'll have an announcement very soon about an all-new Footy Talks at the Rivoli as well. Until then, thank you everyone for listening.